2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is in. We are loaded up. Plenty of thoughts on the Big Ten and the Council of Presidents, the athletic directors, and the uh, letterhead from the Big Ten that just came out. Officially saying, nope, you're good, Ohio State. Get on down to Indy. And uh, touch gloves with Northwestern next weekend. Some thoughts on that. Nebraska-Georgia Tech at PBA will all be watching instead of attending, which is too bad. Those ACC Big Ten challenges are a party. Uh, In normal years, we'd be down in the rail yard or at Longwell's or something like that, gearing up for tip-off tonight. Instead, uh, settle in on the couch and uh, see if Fred and company can Get it done against a a pretty decent Georgia Tech game, at least if you ask Kentucky. That's what Kentucky tell you. So plenty of Husker hoops to get into as well. Mike Babcock with us in 20 minutes. Shuey is at Pinehurst. God love him. God bless him. So no Shuey today. That makes me sad, but I know he's at Pinehurst, so it's okay. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College game day and get his take on the playoff where Nebraska fits into the bowl projection because they're now projected to be playing in North Carolina uh, on December 30th, at least by by some national reports. We spent some time on that and kind of went into it last week leading into uh, the game at hand against Purdue. If you can put some wins together, uh, maybe you'll get some bowl practices. Maybe you'll get a chance to play in the postseason. First things first, though, Minnesota. Speaking of, really good head coach for the Gophers, uh, Glenn Mason will be with us at 525. You can join us today at 466 3776 3776 825 5865. Those are the numbers to dial in. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah and email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So let's dive into what we thought was going to be done. Is it special treatment? Is it a fiasco? Is it the Big Ten being the Big Ten in 2020? You can make an argument for all of the above. But when push comes to shove with the Big Ten in 2020 and specifically Ohio State, my take is very simply this, change is good. And the Big Ten needed to change this rule that they put in place of a six-game minimum to qualify for the conference title game. The Big Ten needed to change their schedule which they didn't do and start earlier. The Big Ten needed to insert some bye weeks or some break weekends to have makeup games. About the only cool thing the Big Ten did was give this ninth week opportunity, championship weekend, right? Well, you've changed that and you've given Ohio State, some will say, special treatment, but all in all, the reality is this even if Ohio State would have played somebody else, or even if Ohio State would have played Michigan and lost, they still have the head-to-head against Indiana. They earned that win. They held on in that ball game, and Ohio State is your East Division champ, just like Northwestern is. And to keep Ohio State out would have been just another uh, data point in the comedy of errors by the Big Ten in 2020. Uh, This decision is right. It's not popular. It's being mocked in the SEC. Guess what? The SEC doesn't want Ohio State in because it's taking potentially a second spot for the SEC. The game changed when the ACC said, you know what? We're punting the Wake Forest-Notre Dame game. Notre Dame, you take the weekend off. You get ready for the ACC championship game while we're renting you. Uh, for your rematch against Clemson. And if Clemson beats you, all right, you now have a data point to argue uh, as an undefeated team, if you get by Northwestern as Ohio State, not only are you unbeaten, not only do you have ranked wins over two teams, but you have a conference championship also on your resume. That'll look good to the committee. Ohio State's passed about everyone's eye test. They still didn't get leapfrogged by a one-loss and team. All right? That's what it is. And you look at the rest of the SEC, you have Florida and a You had Florida win that ballgame. Uh, excuse me, A&M beat, beat Florida. But you had Alabama just <laughs> destroy A&M. It's what happened, okay? So this is wise by the Big Ten. And if you really want to know who made the decision, it wasn't Commissioner Warren. It wasn't Barry Alvarez. It wasn't Gene Smith. It wasn't Bill Moose. It was your Fox TV partners. They probably walked into the old Zoom meeting this morning with a tack hammer and said, all in favor of keeping Ohio State out of a championship game that we shelled out a boatload of money for. Raise your hand. We'll come around and not so politely hit you on top of the head. Fox has lost their backside. They could have lost their backside two weekends in a row. They don't get Ohio State Michigan. That's a monster TV number. That's what they charge all their advertisers for. They spent more money on that game than ESPN or ABC. They wanted that ball game they don't get that ball game and if you're stuck with well sorry it's just COVID this weekend and you don't get Ohio State Michigan and then next weekend for the Big Ten Championship which you you've also shelled out a ton of money for more money for to have that game and you don't get Ohio State in it and with all due respect to Indiana and Northwestern That ain't going to work either. This was, no doubt, there was consultation with your TV partners, and you made the right call. Uh, Is it special treatment? Is it preferential treatment? Yeah, but guess what? Uh, Lawrence Taylor got a lot of special and preferential treatment, and it showed up well for the Giants on Sunday. It happens. It's life. You can roll your eyes and be frustrated about it. If you're Nebraska, you can bring up the discussion point. Well, would they have done that for anybody else? I don't know. Probably not. Ohio State swings a big stick. But they are a chance for you as a league to compete for and win a national championship. The other part of this thing that's a reality is what you make. All right? Uh, you're, You're talking... A team that gets to the college football playoff per Stuart Mandel will bring in $6 million for the league. Divide that by 14, and that's better than than nothing as you've gone through this whole season not allowed to have fans and have a gate. So any little bit of money helps in 2020. No problem with it, Elijah. It's Ohio State, and... Of all the missteps the Big Ten has made in 2020, they, they actually got this right. And their reasoning uh, is, is okay with me. And the reasoning, again, in their letter is competitive analysis. Competitive analysis. The eye test says Ohio State's pretty good. The record says Ohio State's pretty good. And in that record... They have a win head-to-head over their next closest person in the East Division. The next closest team is Indiana. They have the, the head-to-head. It's all sewed up for them.
0: Yeah, competitive analysis sure is a fancy way to say we know they're the best team in the conference. Everyone knows they the the in the And one of the top four
2: in the league, in, yeah. in the college football. you got to take
0: care of them. I doubt there was that much analysis going on when they are looking at Ohio State. But uh, I, I agree with you in that, yes, Ohio State needs to be in the Big Ten
2: championship game. Uh, but – Maybe they could have played a team like, I don't know, Chattanooga. So are you you hung up on on the out of conference? See, people would have really, really been ready to crucify if they didn't do this. Then the Big Ten would have had to to backpedal yet again in a year of backpedaling by the Big Ten like their Bruce Pickens in the NFL Combine. And and okay, uh, there was some some outcry and it was cool. Uh, you look at Coastal Carolina and BYU. That was fun. That drew a lot of eyeballs. Uh, the broadcast wasn't the best because it was on the Ocho and the, <laughs> the when the when the do. And this isn't a shot of the announcers, but when the announcers were doing the game, there was a bit of a delay. <laughs> things, I mean, things didn't match up. But it would have been cool to see A and M and Ohio State just say, "Hey, let's go meet in Jerry World and play." Yeah, I mean, cause you want that fourth spot, go play for it. And neither team would be willing to do that. No. because they No. It'd be, it'd especially be. if you're Ohio State. It's, uh, it's uh, everything for you to lose.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Texas A&M would love to go do it because they, they know who they need to go jump over to get into the college football playoff. And it's Ohio State. But there's no reason for Ohio State to go, I mean, honestly play anybody this weekend. Uh, the The one thing I have about this weekend is Ohio State now gets an off week. Uh, the week before the Big Ten Championship game where Northwestern is still playing. Arrival. I mean, they're playing Lovey and Illinois. and That mm-hmm. isn't going to be an easy game. That, that, that's the one thing where I see, okay, there's some preferential treatment towards Ohio State. But on the flip side of things, the other argument is Ohio State's only played, what, twice in the past, mm, little over a month,
2: twice in the past five weeks? Well, and Ohio State's only had one game that they've had to punt on their own. Every, everything else has been out of their control. Maryland COVID issues, postponement. Michigan COVID issues, postponement. Minnesota COVID issues, postponement. So really it's been out of Ohio State's hands, okay? Um and they've they've delivered. They've been every inch as good as advertised offensively. So we'll see if things get messy and we'll talk to 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 Brad Edwards about this, but what happens to the Big Ten? Is it just completely clear-cut? If, if, say, Ohio State gets upset by Northwestern, the Michigan State loss is a bad loss, so a Big Ten champion with a one loss probably can't get in. And, and, no, and, and Noah, no offense to Northwestern, but a Northwestern team with one loss? Well, it's who they lost to. Is, is my problem. I mean, you don't, you don't go lose to, to that Sparty team. Now, Indiana is a really good club, and they're sitting at one loss, and it was a, a furious comeback. But right now, the way it stacks up is you're going to have Ohio State in the college football playoff if they take care of business, and then you're going to have uh, Indiana as another uh, New Year's Day 6 squad. So that's great for the league. And if you would have just had, all right, your Big Ten champ in a New Year's Day six spot, but not a college football playoff, then you're going to bump Indiana down to a, another bowl game. Uh, let's try and let's get John in here real quick on Hale Varsity Radio. John, thanks for your call. Go ahead. Hey, Smitty. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. What do you know?
3: You know, I I am so conflicted uh, about this uh Ohio State situation. If
4: if those doorknob lickers that are the Big Ten brass, if they would have started the season on time, mm-hmm. worked in some off weeks, allowed Ohio State and anybody else that missed a game to reschedule a game, we wouldn't even be having this emergency meeting. And you know today,
2: no, and that's so that's me- that's the point of it. Is their forethought and foresight is horrific in a year that is causing delays, cancellations, <laughs> uh, stay-at-home orders, shutdowns. I mean, go through the list. To think you were going to go 8-for-8 eight eight on college football or 9 for nines is incredibly stupid, but they thought that's that's their best foot forward. They were wrong, clearly.
0: I agree. Are you – Are is anybody else in the boat I, – I would – even though it would be not a financially sound thing, I hope Northwestern wins.
4: I really do. I'm rooting for them.
2: I like Northwestern, and I really appreciate Coach Fitzgerald. You know, I don't – let me see a good ball game, because that would really put it to the committee. If, North, if 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 Ohio State's tested a second time by Northwestern, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll ask Brad about that. And, John, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you t- tuning thanks. in. You know, if, if Ohio State's challenged and, and doesn't have a great win or it's not aesthetically pleasing or they don't cover the number, does that put Ohio State in, in any danger? Do they have to have stopwatch? I don't think so. I think you've got fields. I think you've got TV eyeballs. You've got Ohio State and potentially another rematch with Clemson after last year's game. I mean, it's, it's all good. I see where John's coming from, though, because it would be
0: nice if Northwestern wins that. and There's nobody in the college football playoff, and us Nebraska fans can sit back and go see
2: Big Ten. We were right. See, you can already do that. <laughs> you could have you could have done that before the the conference decided to, to type up a letter today. You knew you were right all along, as as a Nebraska fan and as a Nebraska administration. It just got proven <laughs> on a large scale today by the Big Ten, kind of backing up and and fixing things. I think you're going to need to root for Ohio State, again, from a bowl standpoint. uh, Is Nebraska, if they don't go 4-4, and say they end up 3-5, and they're not out of the bowl discussion. But if you don't get Ohio State into the college football playoff, you don't have it paid forward, so to speak, with two Big Ten teams in those high-tier bowl games. You need the lower bowls opened up for a spot potentially for Nebraska. And if Nebraska wins Saturday, I think they've got a really good shot of going bowling. But better be safe than sorry if you're Nebraska and just find a way to get to four and four. Mm. We're getting ahead. Obviously, Minnesota looms. We'll talk with Glenn Mason in one hour. His take on the Big Red and the Goofers. Fred Hoyberg thoughts from the mayor coming up in 15 minutes. Mike Babcock next on Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: We're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio. On Hail
2: Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska
3: Lottery. Yes, that's
2: awesome. Thanks for spending time. at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Dan tweets in if the Big Ten decides, and this is wonderful, if the Big Ten decides to offer an olive branch to Nebraska for its treatment and it allows Nebraska to choose the ninth game. Who do you pick? You want to rematch with Illinois? Do you want to take on Iowa again? The missed game against Wisconsin? Man, if they uh if they reconfigure championship week, give me Wisconsin. Now I think Minnesota and Wisconsin will have dibs on the old Paul axe. I think that's what you'll see in week nine, so I guess it's a choice between a uh, COVID-ridden Michigan, Michigan State, or Rutgers. The uh, Vedral Bowl would be okay with me. Nebraska needs a home game since they missed the one out against Wisconsin. Let's bring in Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, four decades of college football excellence. Babbers, uh, give me your definition of competitive analysis.
5: Competitive analysis. Well, here, let me give you another one. You said uh, came to its senses. Does the Big Ten have senses to come to?
2: I am so sorry I uttered those. We need to burn the tape, Elijah.
5: <laughs> I mean, I, you know, this whole, this whole business that you've been talking about, I, I'm glad that the, the Big Ten made that decision, that Ohio State is going to be in the championship game. I'm, I'm really glad that that happened. Um, what, did it do it? Did the Big Ten do that because it was the right thing to do? I think depends on how you define right. Because What's right? Uh-huh. I don't think it did it because it was the right thing to do. I think it did it for the reasons you said because it was the practical thing um, for the conference to have Ohio State in a position to be in the playoffs, and and that's uh, that's the only reason I think that uh, <clears throat> the Big Ten did it. Um, Plus the fact, I guess, that it was Ohio State, but um, yeah, that 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 whole that whole thing, I I don't understand the dynamic of it, the initial dynamic of it, why it even had to make that decision. Um, should have been should have been able to get to that point anyway, um, because of the decisions that were made earlier about delaying the season and and so forth, and not building in any opportunity to. To make up games, but um, that being said, uh, we got uh, we got the Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, as it should be. And what was your other question? What am I supposed to be defining?
2: Competitive analysis, competitive and, and, analysis. And, 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 and we have shelved that question for a better discussion on on you know the decision. <laughs>
5: yeah. Well, now, now here, here's the one thing I will say, and and. Uh, you know, I give let's, – let's rewind to back at the beginning of what would have been the beginning of the season. Um, I, I did have a sense that the Big Ten was trying to do the right thing. You know, it was looking at this pandemic and was trying to analyze it and say, you know, is this going to be a safe situation? You know, where do we go? And, I, you know, I don't know that it, it really had a good grasp on the – the elements of that, when it made the decision to, you know, push things back. And then, you know, the SEC and the ACC, they just forged ahead. The Big 12, they just forged ahead because they were going to do it. And I think we knew that that was what was going to happen. But but I thought that the Big 10 was, it was a studied attempt to make the right decision at the beginning. And then once things got going, everything just fell apart. I don't think that they... I don't think they made good decisions. Um, I don't think that they, you know, again, doing the right thing, I don't think was part of anything that happened after that.
2: It's a byproduct.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't think that they they analyzed it and decided, you know, what is the right thing. It was just like, we're just going to do what we do. As things come up, we'll, we'll decide how, how things go. And uh, that's unfortunate. I, you know, I'm not... I don't think that, uh, you know, I've said this before, uh, I'll say it again, and I understand why the move was made, <clears throat> but I don't think that uh, it was a good move to go to the Big Ten, except for the fact that, that uh, it meant a lot more money. And, you know, academic prestige, the academic part of it you can't dismiss. But uh, from, a, from an athletic standpoint, it was all, mo- it was all about money.
2: It is, and it is with this decision, don't kid yourself, Fox TV had something to say about who got to play in the championship game, and they should. I mean, it's their money, it's their investment, and you're not going to take a bath two weeks in a row with no Ohio State uh, on missing out on prime time if you're Fox and you're paying for those rights. And the trickle-downs, nice, everyone's got their hand out and their hat out to to collect, so... That's that's the reality of this. Fax is like, dude, we're not, <laughs> you're, we're not getting stuck not having Ohio State, and Michigan this weekend, and we're not going to get stuck with Indiana, Northwestern next weekend because you could have had Iowa. If we're talking highest ranked, give somebody to Ohio State in week nine that would be a impressive win for the college football playoff. There's not much difference between between Northwestern and in Iowa except the 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 data point of, well, Northwestern is your West Division champ. So you're covering your, your back end here for Ohio State with they're a conference champion. If it gets into uh resume discussion, they're undefeated. They have two ranked wins. And uh you should be solid as long as Ohio State takes care of their end. Babbers, I wanna go to Nebraska here. The 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 big red have looked better on offense. They're they're being stout defensively. And a couple parts to this. One, how do you feel about Saturday against Minnesota? Two, you know, what's the number for Nebraska when we talk bowls and postseason? That's been shrunk obviously, but there are Bull games that'll happen. On the eastern seaboard, in Florida and in Texas and Nebraska, looks to be in line for a spot potentially if they take care of themselves.
5: Yeah, well, they take care of themselves—that's the thing. I mean, if you if you win the uh, the Minnesota game and you win the plus one game, then I think you're in a position where you can do that. If you don't win both those games, I think you're I think you're on the on the fringes there. Mm-hmm. Even though you could be eligible, I guess if you know, and if if he had fans, you know uh... it would be a no-brainer because everybody looks at the way Nebraska fans travel and a bowl would be attractive to to a bowl uh, even if Nebraska didn't have a winning record but you know the fans would travel and some of these bowls could probably use some fan travel but um, that's not even a consideration here so that we, we dumped that out but I I think Nebraska as a result of that I think Nebraska has to win both games you know, I I was well, I didn't think the Minnesota game was going to get played. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's a plus right there. Uh, you you know, I really feel like uh, Nebraska is is going to put together another game like it did. I, I thought the Huskers played well against Iowa. You know, obviously they played well against Purdue, um, and, and I think that they're getting better. and the And the mindset part of it, uh, I think, is important. Um, you know, as we've talked about, you know, winning has to do with ability and execution and all these things, but it also has to do with a mindset, you know, believing that you're going to win. And, you know, I think that uh, what Scott Frost said, Nebraska didn't handle that mindset very well after beating Penn State and then coming back and, and uh, not playing well against Illinois. Um, now they've been through that, so I think they're going to come off a win, and their mindset is going to be better. And... and not only coming off a win, but coming off a pretty good effort against Iowa. So I think the mindset is there. If the the mindset is there, I think Nebraska has the ability. Um, And and so I I have a positive outlook about what's going to happen against Minnesota. I think Nebraska is going to do well.
0: Mike Babcock is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, when you go back to the beginning of the season, the whole argument from Nebraska was uh, we need this season because we need to get better. Uh, also, there were economic concerns within the, within the city and the state. Uh, but the main argument from the football team was we want games. We want to play better. We're not just going to sit out this year uh, while all the other teams get to go practice and play games and get better. Uh, so with that in mind, do you think that this season, even with the the two wins Nebraska has so far, can, can it be considered a success uh, just because of the development that we've seen within the Husker football program?
5: Well, I think yeah, I think Elijah, uh, you know, I, I think the opportunity to, you know, practice and play games and you know, all these things, a learning experience. Um, yeah, you know, uh Hymas said um he he, learned, he probably learned more in the losing experiences than than he would have otherwise. Um uh, I I guess you say that, maybe in that context. But um yeah, I think I think it was a positive thing. I think it's been a positive thing for Nebraska. And, you know, that's part of the reason that it would be nice if Nebraska could get into a bowl game um, because of that additional practice time and so forth, um, as long as it can be done, you know, safely and so forth. And it seems like Nebraska has done things safely enough um, because that's been an overriding consideration going back to the beginning and the original delay of the of the season by the Big Ten, you know, is the safety of the student athlete. And, you know, I think that that's been accomplished at Nebraska. Um, I hope so, you know, from one day to the next you never know. But um, that to me that's the bottom line is, okay, has it been done safely? Yes. If it has, then yes, I think it's been a positive. I think, I think all the opportunity to practice, to play games, to learn what it takes to win, to get in that mindset, all that stuff, has been a positive if the safety consideration has been covered.
2: Babber's got about a minute or so, but uh, let's switch gears to, to hoops. Georgia Tech, Nebraska, what's tonight mean for Fred and company?
5: Well, just another step in the development, you know, getting those uh, getting all those guys to mesh. You know, like I've said, when you got a bunch of transfers and a bunch of new guys trying to work together, um, the talent is there. But it's a question of, can these guys mesh? And so, you know, this is another opportunity to, to do that. And uh, um, you gotta, you got to do those things. And, you know, Creighton's coming up, too. you got to do another, another tough task. But, but it's good for you because the Big Ten is very difficult, uh, very competitive situation that you're going into. So uh, any opportunity that Nebraska gets before that conference season begins, um, is just a plus as far as I'm concerned. And, that you know, that's the way I look at tonight's
2: game. Just look at Illinois. Just look at Sparty. Just look oh. at Iowa. I mean, they are, they are phenomenal clubs. And it's going to be a challenge this year. But uh, I think Nebraska is equipped athletically. We'll see how uh, they take a step forward. And they play tonight. We'll hear from Coach Hoiberg here shortly. Babbers, have a good rest of your week. Enjoy the sunshine, man.
5: Yeah, you do as well, because it's going to be snowing here pretty
2: soon. Uh, Big Ten football weather returns on Saturday. <laughs> we'll, yes, talk to, we'll talk to you soon, Mike. See Thanks so ahead. much. That's Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Four decades of uh, just Nebraska excellence. You can find Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, com. The mayor. Up next, we'll hear from uh, Coach Hoiberg getting ready for Georgia Tech.
1: Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up, Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider. His take on the playoff situation, Ohio State. They're standing. And what if somebody else wins the Big Ten Championship, i.e. Northwestern? Then you're watching... (laughs) Someone else in the college football playoff, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Great to be with you. Number's to in 466 377 646 37 825 5865 Glenn Mason, former Gopher head coach, coming up at 525 Nebraska and uh, Georgia Tech on the way. So, can fire an email off as well, uh, chris at halevarsity.com. And uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or uh, give us uh, a a tweet into Elijah at Herbal Essence. That'd be good. And uh, we'll try and figure things out. So we can spend time further down the road here figuring out week nine. Wisconsin would be fun. Rutgers would probably be preferable. But uh, get to four and four and get bowl game Eligible If you're Nebraska, let's hear with, uh, from Fred Hoyberg what the mayor's got to say. And uh, specifically the one three one from Georgia Tech tonight. Now, just a quick thought on the uh, ramble and wreck. Uh, I'm going to f- go full disclosure here. They were probably one of my favorite basketball programs growing up. They were in the final four uh, quite a bit. As in, they went during the UNLV years. And uh, Kenny Anderson and that Georgia Tech squad, Elijah's like nodding at me like, I've, I've heard of these guys. But the, the Georgia Tech team with Bobby Crimmins as their coach, Starberry, I mean, they, they, had some, they had some dudes. They were fun. And then the bottom fell out. They went to one sweet 16 that turned into a Final Four run, I think, back in 05, 06, maybe 04. I don't know. I, I picked them on a whim. And uh, they they made a a large push, but they're uh, they're a once proud, great program that is no longer. They've been scuffling them in Wake Forest, man, uh, in the ACC, just too far removed from the Chris Paul era from Wake Forest and Tim Duncan. Too far removed from Kenny Anderson and Stephon Marbury.
0: and I don't know what to what to make of this
2: Georgia Tech team this year because um, they went and got like what a seventeen point win against Kentucky. They here's the thing: you've got Duke whining, and Coach K is the first to say, "Look, man, it's not an excuse. We got to get better." But you have Patino, wherever he's been exiled to, screaming about playing. You've got Coach K screaming about playing. They're two and two, uh, just dismembered. At Cameron, where they have cutout fans, not real crazies. So you have the Big Ten that's two and zero, oh, and Cameron that never happens. Sparty drilled him. Illinois drilled him last night. Carolina got slapped by Iowa. Iowa looks great. How oh, they yeah. can go? They can go inside out. Yeah, they can go to Luca, Luca, Luca Brazzi. He's got a real shot for player player of the year this year. He, well, he does. Last year. He gets it, but he'll just kick it out to the three point assassins. And, and, I mean, I was, dare I say, fun to watch. At least they were last night. Put one, put, put one in the swear jar for that one. Well, <laughs> speaking of swear jar, Fran, that guy can swear with the best of them. But in, in all honesty, when you look at this Georgia Tech team tonight, I mean, it's going to kind of come down to Nebraska. How are they able to to jerk with the, uh, the one through one? Mm-hmm. Can Nebraska hit some shots early from three? Can Nebraska rebound? And can Nebraska handle Moses? Moses is phenomenal. I mean, that guy's leading the ACC in scoring. He's also getting boatloads of rebounds. He's a 24 and 10.7 guy. All right? So that'll be no good. And Georgia Tech on the glass has been really, really good. So can Nebraska at least hang around and not get... Beat up too too badly on the glass. I think they'll be ready to play. I don't think Nebraska will get blown out. It'll be a tough ball game, but it's it's one you need. See, the, the thing about Georgia Tech is they started the year off with a loss to Georgia State.
0: They've lost to two bad teams. But, They're 1-3. But they looked completely different in their game against Kentucky. They play up or down to their competition. Mm-hmm. They had confidence against Kentucky. Their defense was firing on all. So they played better defense against Kentucky than they did against uh, Georgia State or Mercer. Those are the well, two schools. I
2: mean, those are two teams that, that, that beat them. Mm-hmm. And then you go you go get uh, Kentucky and Coach Cal. So ha- has Kentucky given them confidence? That's what I'm worried about tonight. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. They also gave a damn about the game. They thought they'd show up and win against the other two. But Moses Wright is the key. And uh, let's hear from Coach Hoiberg, because he's asked about you know the matchup, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, cut three here. Mm-hmm. Is Nebraska ready to take this next step uh, in higher-level Power 5 competition.
6: Yeah, I, I think we've had very good challenges early in the season, and you see a team like North Dakota State, what they've done uh, going on the road, playing uh, Creighton to a 10-point game, having a chance to win it uh, under a minute against Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, that was a great challenge playing against South Dakota, uh, a team that's got very good athletes, uh, You know, a team that uh, – uh, uh, you know, gave us a great uh, challenge. Uh, the game against Nevada obviously was was a difficult game for us, played us a different way, uh, you know, a team that I think will do very well in their league. So we've had good challenges that I think will prepare us for this. You know, every timeout is, uh, you know, a new opportunity for us. I've talked to a lot of coaches around the country, coaches that I have good relationships with, and, you know, you're seeing it all over the place. When you see something for the first time, Uh, you know, as opposed to having a chance to play a scrimmage or play an exhibition game, uh, you know, you're on your heels a little bit and you learn from it. And hopefully we're prepared now. Uh, to go into 22 high major games and and play our best basketball Uh, starting with this game in the ACC tomorrow then you know great team top 10 team in Creighton with a one day prep and then having 20 uh, big 10 games so you know we're going to have to play really good basketball to have a chance uh, to win these games but I'm confident in our group I, I love their mentality I've talked about it a lot with their passion for the game and their commitment to this game uh, commitment to their craft and you know I'm confident we're going to go out and compete every night it will be good enough I don't know but we're going to go out and compete every time we step on the floor
2: so you know the mentality but the the other question with Fred Hoiberg yesterday was is your team better equipped and I think we can look at Nebraska's roster and say yeah they're better equipped will it show up tonight
6: Thing Sam, I, you know, I, again, I, I'll go back to when I first, when we first got this group together, and we went back to those individual workouts and small group workouts. Uh, you just saw a, a passion, for the game of basketball, and you have to have that if you're going to be a consistent team that competes every time you step on the floor. Uh, that's what this group is all about. You look at the length and the athleticism that we have. With this group, uh, I think it does give us an opportunity to compete. When I look at some of the things after, you know, the loss against Nevada or things that we needed to work on uh, after some of our other performances, I've seen a dedication to get better. Uh, It's a very coachable group where you go into a film session, you say something directly to a person, it's not, you know, nothing's personal with this group. They take it constructively and they get better from it. So just from a mentality standpoint, Sam, I think this group has what it takes to be some uh, group that competes every night. And again, with the teams we're competing against and the talent we're competing against, uh, is it good enough? We'll see. But I, I am confident that we're going to come out every night uh, and give everything we have.
2: More from Coach Hoiberg as uh, we get ready to wind down our tail varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, reminder about West Blue Realty, Tom Luby, Kelly Hoffschneider. Those guys get it done for you with West Blue Realty. And if you're looking for a residential home in Lincoln or surrounding areas, give West Blue Realty a shout today. Tom Luby at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. It's where you find them. Get an appointment today. Log on, westbluerealty.com. Do you have agricultural land? And West Blue Realty specializes in in that they can make that uh, pain free for you if you're selling some of that farmland uh, they have an auctioneer they can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings they've sold land all over the great state of Nebraska Seward Oto Lancaster counties they can handle a large radius westblue realty.com Brad Edwards 10 minutes away ESPN uh, College Football Insider his thoughts on the Big 10, Ohio State, the Big 10 title game, Nebraska and their bowl possibility. That on the way Glenn Mason, great coach at Minnesota and uh, Kansas coming up. So that's uh, on the docket for next hour. 466-3776-466-3776-800 825-5865. Uh, the guy you need to look for tonight at PBA on the tube is Moses Wright. Let's hear from Hoiberg on just why, what type of trouble uh, Moses can provide the big red tonight. I, I'm not worried about Lat spotting up and hitting some threes or Banton. And I think Teddy Buckets will be on his game. But the paint is an issue. Getting to the rim and the, against this 1-3-1 one, one that can kind of switch up to a 3-2 or a 2-3 is an issue. But what can Nebraska do on the glass, and what can Nebraska do to, to contain uh, old Moses?
6: Yeah, Mo- Moses Wright's been as good as any player in the country so far. He's averaging 24 and I think almost 11 rebounds, uh, and has done it in all three games. And you, j- you just look at the – he's playing with so much confidence right now, Sam, is what I've seen. Uh, he's three for five from the three-point line. He's facing up in the mid-range, uh, going up without hesitation. He's a terrific average in five offensive rebounds a game. That's going to be a huge challenge for us, and one of the big keys uh, if we want to win is we're going to have to do a good job on the glass. He comes from all over the place. Transition, he'll fly out of nowhere uh, for Tib Dunks, and he's got great athleticism. Uh, and then on the block, he's got a really nice jump hook. A uh, good pump fake down there. He had several three-point plays against Kentucky. The biggest thing about Moses Wright is the motor that he plays with. The kid plays so hard and plays with a great passion. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a tough matchup for us just because of his size and athleticism.
2: What is it about Moses and baskets? I mean, it just they go hand in hand. How many how many baskets does Moses get tonight? Twenty-four points, ten point seven. He ain't gonna launch a lot of threes, but dude can pull. Is that steak in a beer bet tonight? How many points does Moses Wright get? No, I think we're gonna. <laughs> we gotta figure out something for Friday, since we'll be at the, the home of great steaks at Piedmontese. Mm-hmm. I will be. Jay Moore and me will be yeah, there. I won't be. No, we'll see what, what deliciousness Piedmontese, the Mercado, cooks up for us. We've had brats, we've had kielbasa. We've had uh, Louisiana hot links. We've had, yes, we've had uh, uh, ribeye, Mm. and we've also had New York strip. And then for for Thanksgiving, we did prime rib and and short ribs. So I've I've had it all, and I want more. Brad Edwards, college football next on Hale Varsity. Back to it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. And uh, we'll hear from Glenn Mason, longtime coach at Minnesota and Kansas. Coming up, his thoughts on Saturday. We welcome in college football insider and uh, part of college game day, Brad Edwards with us. at J. Brad Edwards from ESPN. Brad, uh, crazy week. How are you doing?
4: (laughs) I'm uh, I'm doing okay. It has been a crazy week. Lots of speculation about what the Big Ten was going to do, and they did it.
2: <laughs> you sound surprised, and we're still kind of pulling nope. ourselves off the floor as well. That they they maybe, dare I say, did the appropriate thing for the for the for the league and for for your best team. How does this sit with you? The the uh, decision by the big 10 to go ahead and say, uh, you're good. Ohio state, come on down to the title game.
4: Yeah. I mean, to me, there's, there shouldn't be anything controversial about it. Uh, the the problem with it is that they didn't do it two weeks ago mm-hmm. when everyone saw it coming from a mile away, you know, they could have been proactive and gone ahead and announced it before Indiana was within a position to play in the conference championship game. Um, and look at, Everyone knew it was a possibility, so I don't think, you know, I don't think Indiana uh, was, uh, was under the impression that uh, they were there, no questions asked. They, they, they knew that there was a chance it could be taken away, but it should have never reached that point. Uh, this, was, this was something that, you know, could have been addressed much sooner, and, and, and you know, maybe it wouldn't have been necessary, um, but, uh, but it, it would have been a good idea to just go ahead and get it out there that that, that rule was no longer going to be in effect And now, because they didn't do that, it looks even more hypocritical because, now, I didn't see this. I didn't get this email, but I heard people say that the Big Ten, and you might know about this, Mm -hmm. last Saturday afternoon, after the first window of games ended and enough had been played um, to cement that five games would not be enough to qualify for the conference championship, Uh, So basically it was prior to the kickoff or right around the kickoff of the Indiana-Wisconsin game. The Big Ten sent out an email announcing that Northwestern had won the West Division and was going to the conference championship game. And that was under the assumption that Wisconsin could not be eligible. Now, if Wisconsin beats Indiana in that game, then the Big Ten, after having sent out that email, would have been in a position where – I don't know. I mean, would they have not done this if Wisconsin had won? They you know, after you've declared Northwestern the winner of the division officially, they, can, they, can you can you retract it? Like I don't know. Like
2: that's that's a great question because I mean you had the head to head right with with Northwestern beating Wisconsin. But,
4: but uh, Northwestern could have lost this week, right? because Wisconsin they, hadn't lost last week,
2: sure. No, they they jumped the gun on could it.
4: Lose to Illinois, Wisconsin wins, and then and then what are you doing? You know.
2: Well, and and I'm, I I would love to be a fly on the wall with with Barry Alvarez uh, and the commissioner because Barry the competition committee chair, and Barry's not used to the way he saw it right he's the one that helped implement the the 6 game threshold as as the yeah so he wrote the rules and he had to live by them but yeah that was a pretty quick little hey thanks for playing wisconsin and i know wisconsin had, had been sluggish but they looked like a whole different football team and that's i think how good indiana is but they sure crushed michigan after a COVID weekend, not playing Nebraska, you know, you go back to week three, uh, and then they looked like a whole different football team, and and I think part of that was that's just how good Indiana and Coach Allen had his kids ready to go.
4: Yeah, and and look, when I say there's no controversy, there's no controversy because Ohio State beat Indiana. And as many people have pointed out in the last few days, if Ohio State just forfeited the Michigan game (laughs) on Monday – um, and, and the conference accepted it, then they would be eligible. They would be the division champ, right? Yes. I mean, so because they had already won the head-to-head, they were they were essentially, as I've heard other people put it, you know, two games up with one to play.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, it, it was over. It was done. And so it kind of seemed silly to say, oh, well, if you can't play the last game, like, you could have lost 52 nothing. Um but what would be worse than that would be to not play at all. <laughs> like that, that, that made no sense, and I think that's why you know we can assume that they did the right thing, uh, which is very different than what they're looking at in the Pac-12 South. I don't know if you've seen what's going on out there, but USC and Colorado are both undefeated in conference play with one game left. They didn't play each other because when they were scheduled to play, the game was called off because of USC's COVID issues. Mm-hmm. And now if they both win this weekend, USC is going to win the division because the tiebreaker is selection committee highest ranked team. And so, so Colorado could go undefeated, not get into the conference championship game um, because the, the nod will be given to the team that, that was the one that called off their game head to head. So that, to me, is a much bigger mess. It's a good thing that didn't happen to the Big Ten. Um, you know, what happened here was a lot easier to sort out, even though they made it more difficult than it needed to be.
2: Brad Edwards with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Brad, uh, your thoughts with the college football playoff, and let's let's talk about Notre Dame for a second, and how secure is their spot when we get to the ACC championship game? W- what's in motion right now? I know where they're ranked with the college football playoff uh, committee, but what what are some some different avenues here? Uh, Ohio State should be in if they win, and if they lose, I, I think the Big Ten's out. But let's let's talk about Notre Dame and who could take their spot if if it gets ugly against Clemson.
4: Yeah, I, I think the big question here, and I've, I've seen a lot of people reference that Notre Dame is essentially in no matter what happens, and I, I don't think that's true. Now, I, I do think that there's some unlikely scenarios that would have to play out for them to be in danger, uh, and, it, and it starts with Alabama losing the SEC championship game. But If, if Florida were to, to beat Alabama, I think Alabama is still in. So so then you've got Florida and Alabama both, both in. The ACC championship game winner is going to be in, and if that's Clemson, now there's a decision the committee is going to have to make between a one-loss Notre Dame and an undefeated Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, would we would expect, would be the conference champion if they're undefeated. And, and this is assuming the conference championship game is able to be played next weekend. And uh, if that's the case, you know, do they get in over Notre Dame? Because the one thing that I think the committee can point to is that Notre Dame's big win, I mean, the signature moment of their season, was over Clemson, a Clemson team that was shorthanded. Mm-hmm. You know, and, if, and if, if you beat them when they're shorthanded, but then they get all their guys back and they not only turn around and beat you, but if they beat you comfortably, then I, I think there's some real questions if you're Notre Dame about whether you would get the nod over a conference champion, albeit one that played you know, fewer games than you. Um, but look, I, I, I think, I, I think it could be very significant how close the ACC championship game is, and how close the Big Ten championship game is. You know, when it comes to determining what the big, excuse me, what the uh, selection committee might do if that situation were to play out.
2: The, the data point of being a conference champion—I mean, that to me is also part of the reason moving forward. Better be safe than sorry if you're the Big Ten. Yeah, get Ohio State in the conference title game to call them an undefeated conference champ versus having them play the next highest ranked team, which maybe Iowa in week 9 if you weren't going to move this threshold back right and and it would have been yeah. Indiana and Northwestern i think tv had a lot to do with this too i look at fox and what they shelled out they've they're, they're not getting michigan ohio state this weekend exactly and and that, Northwest, point, Chris, northwestern indiana of the two. Yeah.
4: yeah it's the combination of the two that they already i don't know if people know how the the TV deal works but but Fox and ESPN share the rights to the Big 10. Mm-hmm. Fox pays a lot of money for the right to have the first pick of the season. Okay, the, before the season begins there's a draft. And and Fox has paid more so that they can have the very first pick and they they always pick they're not actually picking a game but they're picking a weekend. And they always pick the weekend of Michigan-Ohio State. That's that's the one that they want. Um, because that's the game, even though it's been a blowout the last couple of years, mm-hmm. that's the one that they figure is going to produce the biggest ratings. So uh, I have no idea whether the terms of the contract allow Fox to get any money back because the Ohio State-Michigan game isn't being played. Like I said, the deal is not specifically for that game. It's just to have first choice on this weekend. Um, and although... Well, you know what I say that, but they've already chosen the game. Like I, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not. I don't even because then ESPN goes and chooses. So I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But there's no question that was a huge hit to Fox to lose that game. And then if they were to lose having Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game on top of it, (laughs) you talk about having an unhappy client. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, these are legitimate business arrangements and agreements you know going on between these these companies and you can't just hang one of your business partners out to dry like that by by allowing them to miss out on two huge ohio state games and that's a, that is a lot of money mm-hmm.
0: Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, while we're on the topic of Ohio State and Michigan, I want to go to the other team in the equation. That's Michigan. Uh, This is the first year that Coach Harbaugh has not lost to Ohio State during a regular season. Um, So my question is – Duly noted. I know I'm I'm putting that in a funny way, uh, but how hot is Coach Harbaugh's seat? I mean, without beating Ohio State, uh, he, he seems to have the same problem that Bo Pelini had at Nebraska where he just can't win the big games.
4: Yeah, I, I think uh, certainly not getting embarrassed by Ohio State. and I, I, I don't think Michigan was going to come within 30 of them. Um, it, it probably helps the way that everything feels going into the offseason. I don't know what the likelihood is that Michigan's going to play next week and you know, whether they might have a winnable game lined up where they could end actually on a, on a high note. You know, are they going to go to a bowl? I I don't know if anybody's going to go to a bowl at this point. I mean, it's just it's it's just it's just such a weird year. You just you just don't know who, even teams with a winning record, that might say, no thanks. Like we just we've had enough. We're exhausted. Um, everyone else just have fun if you want to play. So we'll see how that all pans out. But I I, I do think it. It softens the blow just a little bit to not have the 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 final embarrassment of of getting run out of the stadium by Ohio State one more time. Um, now that said, it still was an embarrassing year for Michigan. We'll see what happens. With I mean, the the reporting is out there that you know that Ward Manuel has uh, apparently offered or, or will offer a deal to Harbaugh where. He can, you know, take less money personally, um, and you know, get an extension or something to that degree. Whether he'll be insulted by that and say, "No thanks, I'm going to the NFL," um, he might figure, you know, what he's done with it anyway. Whether they offered him less money or more money, uh, I, I don't know. But um, I, I think the big question is, you know, is there someone out there that Michigan knows they can get? that would be an upgrade because at this point the question is um uh, you alluded to it can you beat ohio state like the 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 rest of it is nice but unless you're winning that rivalry game um it's not going to change a whole lot with that fan base and so that that i think is what they're looking for who is going to inspire confidence that they can take on ryan day and that machine that he took over from urban meyer and um and can unseat them. I mean, not on a regular basis, but I mean, just every now and then, beat them. Um, and so, is there a guy like that that you feel confident would take the job? And if there's not, I don't. I don't know if you want to run Harbaugh out just yet,
2: Brad. I've got about ninety seconds, but your take on Texas and Herman, It sounds like uh, he may be staying. Uh, it sounds like Urban was. We don't have like official reports, but that's the name that would make sense. Um, is Texas? Uh, a hard pass by a lot of high-profile coaches just because of how messy it's been.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think that the more public the inner workings of this become, as far as just the, the different layers of people that you have to deal with, if you're the head coach there, with the, the meddling boosters and all that. Um, you know, you, you better have a lot of confidence in your ability to win to take that job, and, and you know, most of the best guys do. But it's, if there's something else available that might be similar, I think most guys would take the other thing. And so at this point, yeah, I, I, the way that this played out so, so publicly, it's, it's pretty obvious that they didn't want to keep Herman. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure his feelings are hurt. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he'd rather just have the money with what he's getting paid. <laughs> so I think he'll, uh, he'll probably go out there another year. And, um, and then if we're right back in this spot again, then they'll have to make a decision. But, um, it's uh, yeah, I think the soap opera is going to continue for just a little bit longer.
2: Brad Edwards with us, College Football Insider, ESPN, and uh, College Game Day at J. Brad Edwards. Brad, uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week, and and we'll see how this weekend plays out uh, around the college football world. And always great to chat, and thanks for jumping in with us.
4: You got yeah. Nothing's going to change this weekend. You've got two teams in the top eight playing. Yep. Alabama and Florida, and both are favored by more than three touchdowns. So we'll, we'll be having the same discussions next week.
2: Yep. We'll uh, we'll get there, and we'll see if things shake out for the Buffs, and we'll see if uh, LSU can stop somebody defensively. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Take care, guys. There he is. Goodbye, Brad Edwards. With us. Yeah, we ran out of time, but we'll we'll jump into because I think old I, I think Ole Miss. Is supposed to play LSU this weekend. The makeup makeup. Kind of say, Well, we're on the topic of Texas before we get into this weekend.
0: Uh, do you see that all the Texas fans going like on the background of one of uh, Urban's hits on uh, Fox,
2: trying to figure out if it's a hotel room in Austin, Texas? Yeah, I mean they're going crazy. They want Urban so bad. They do, and he's saying no, I'm staying right here in on studio.
1: And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And let's talk some Nebraska, Minnesota. Welcome in a tremendous coach in Kansas and at Minnesota. We uh, say hi to Big Ten analyst Glenn Mason with us. Coach, uh, nice to speak with you again. How's your week?
3: My week has been great. Uh, I'm sure that your weather over there in Nebraska is about the same as it's been in Minnesota. And I can tell you, our, our weather normally isn't as nice during the springtime. It's, I think it's got everybody fooled.
2: You know, I had a few text messages saying, "Are we golfing today?" And I'm like, "I'd love to golf, man," but <laughs> got a radio show to do. It's Minnesota week, but uh, it is uh, mid 60s here, and I think it's uh, one final trip to the grill after we're done talking uh, to, to to take care of the big weather we're having and, and experience some of it. But who would have thought here this deep into December, right? <laughs> Well, I,
3: I think everybody thought that, you know, this crazy year, and when we got delayed in playing the Big Ten Conference, people started saying, geez, playing after Thanksgiving, playing in December, how the heck are we ever going to play uh, in Big Ten country? You know, people think it's impossible to play in places like Minnesota, but, uh, you know, the weather normally isn't very cooperative in Lincoln and Ann Arbor and East Lansing and places like that, but. It's been crazy
2: this year. Well, let's uh, get your thoughts. Uh, you're a, a guy who played at Ohio State, uh, and Ohio State, the uh, beneficiary, really the league, will be as the athletic directors moving forward to change the threshold of uh, minimum games to appear in a conference championship game. Uh, that has been uh, looked at and fixed, so Ohio State is good to go against Northwestern. What's your reaction to uh, just the the? the fl- fluidity that's had to exist here in the Big Ten and specifically what the league's doing for Ohio State?
3: Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people on the outside uh, are looking that uh, want to be critical of the Big Ten and said, and say those folks don't know what they're doing. Uh, they were going to start and they weren't going to start. They were canceled and it was over. Then they're playing again and then they put this rule in that you had to play X number of games to be eligible to play in Indianapolis and then Uh, I think that the uh, the uh, unanimous choice to be the best team in the league, Ohio State didn't meet that threshold. So, change the rules again, and here we go. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. I understand what they're doing. I guess you could look back and say, why did they put the rule in? You know, to begin with, at least you know six games. If you know by chance that they'd have to change it, I think they did the right thing because you know, if you don't have the best team in the league playing in that championship game, it it looks kind of crazy.
2: I think you're right, and I think uh, from a greater good perspective here, you've got Ohio State that clearly on the field has done their job, and uh, where they sit right now in the college football playoff, uh, they're in. You also have Indiana that's really done nothing wrong. Uh, They're playing really good football, but they're going to lose a game this weekend as well. I think the trickle down can help Big Ten football, not only with the, uh, the, the the playoff payday and the chance for Ohio State, but you also have a New Year's Day 6 on the horizon for Indiana if they take care of business and then some of the other teams that are potentially going to be able to move up a spot or at least get included come postseason. Glenn, you did an amazing job building up Minnesota, and before that you had Kansas in the top 10 twice, some really impressive finishes in the Big 8. Can you speak to just the importance of of, of spring practice and ball practice, that's something that Nebraska and a lot of other programs have missed this year due to COVID-2020. How, how just vital is it to building a program?
3: Well, I don't, I don't think you can overstate the, the importance of, be honest with you, you know, we, we had a couple, uh, you know, coaches out there that didn't have uh, uh, the benefit, new coaches, in mm-hmm. Chiano, And uh, the coach at Michigan State, Mel Tucker, um, with a new staff, new program, new everything that, you know, didn't have uh, the luxury of uh, going through that. And this has, you know, been a crazy year as far as, you know, development of program. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, with the bowl season? And, and, you know, know, some teams, because of no fault of their own and cancel games and cancel bowl games, they might be on the outside, you know, looking in. Maybe. It might be, you know, and a thought to start talking about, hey, where everything is going, you still can't punish the teams that have come up on the short end. Maybe everybody should have bowl practice, even if you're, you're not going to a bowl, because uh, the way major college football is now, it's a, you know, it's a year-round process. And, you know, when you don't have the opportunity to work with your younger players uh, during bowl season, it really puts you behind the eight ball.
2: Glenn Mason's with us, Big Ten uh, network analyst, uh, longtime coach at Minnesota and Kansas. Coach, what's been your impression of Nebraska's season in this third year for Scott Frost? Nebraska has got a bit of momentum now. They played a couple of good ball games in a row. They had a tough one against the Illini. But overall, as you look at the big red, what are your thoughts with Coach Frost?
3: Well, you know, I think that uh, when when Nebraska made a coaching change, uh, they didn't hire the right guy. They hired the only guy that they could have hired uh, was Scott Frost because uh, of his attachment to that program and understanding uh, of Nebraska football, and plus the success he had down in Central Florida. Um, I was one that had a complete confidence that you know he would get Nebraska back uh, to playing. Uh, at the very least, respectable football. I don't know if they will ever get back uh, to playing at the football that Tom Osborne had him uh, playing uh, in, in the 90s, because that was, that, was, that was really something. Uh, in saying that, I was somewhat disappointed at the lack of progress that that program was making. But in saying that, now I'm really, um, I guess, hopeful, or I've renewed uh, faith that uh, Scott's got him going. Uh, in the right direction because they are. You know, the old saying, either a program's getting better or it's getting worse, or a team's getting better or it's getting worse, it doesn't stay the same. There's no doubt in my mind, uh, he's got that program going in, in the right way. They're, you know, they're playing better defense. Are they playing black shirt defense? Not the black shirt defense that I remember back in the 90s, but they're playing better defense. And, you know, Adrian Martinez was a guy that came on the scene and had, you know, everybody excited. Uh, And then it seemed like he he leveled off. Well, as of late, he seems like he's back to form. And I think it's, you know, really important for Nebraska to, you know, to finish strong in, in these last two games.
0: Glenn, Minnesota themselves made a coaching change one year before Nebraska. We're, we're in year four under Fleck, and we saw the, uh, the development last year with that 11-2 and two season, uh, but the results really haven't been up to par this season for, uh, for Minnesota with what you expected coming into the year. Uh, what's, what's the take around Minnesota with uh, how P.J. Fleck has done rebuilding that program?
3: Well, I'd have to say that it's, uh, it's somewhat uh, you know, disappointed. You know, When you have the season that he had uh, a year ago, um, 11 wins and beating Auburn in the bowl game, uh, you know, fans are fans. They think, Oh, well we're gonna get used to this and we're wanting bigger and better things uh, you know, next year and, and I really think, you know, PJ's kind of a salesman. He you know, threw uh fuel on that fire and got everybody excited and you know, things just hasn't uh you know, worked out that way, uh starting with uh, you know, a decided loss to you know, Michigan uh in the opener. He lost some really good football players off a of good defense last year. Um and, uh, I mean, really good football. Like guys that are playing in the NFL right now, probably the biggest disappointment I mean, is offensively because he had just about everybody back coming back offensively. And, you know, you look at a guy uh, uh, like Tanner Morgan, he threw 30 touchdowns, uh, you know, last year. And this year he's sitting at four touchdowns and four interceptions. So, um, I, I think if anything, you, even though it's a crazy year that, you'd have to think the people up here are somewhat disappointed.
2: A couple more minutes. Glenn Mason's with Sale Varsity Radio. Longtime coach in Minnesota and in Kansas. Coach, when you look at Saturday, Nebraska-Minnesota, some keys here. I, I don't know who's going to be able to suit up for Minnesota. Nebraska's got a bit of a long memory from last year's beatdown. Minnesota was so dominant a season ago uh, in, uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, Nebraska's got a bit of a, uh, a pep in their step here. What do you see uh, things? How do you see things shaking out here as kickoff happens Saturday at eleven?
3: Well, I think one of the key factors you talked about is uh, you know who knows is going to be suited up and, and go on the field. I don't know about Nebraska, but you know I know that uh, you know Minnesota had, has a rash of injuries, and uh, you know there was a consensus opinion around here for a while that there's no way that this Nebraska game would probably take place. Now I think things have gotten better. All an indication that the game will be played. Uh, When you look at Minnesota right this year, uh, they're playing terrible defense. I mean, they're not at the bottom of the heap in the Big Ten. They're at the bottom of the heap, uh, you know, nationally. They just can't, you know, stop the run. Uh, They have a problem with the pass. They have a problem putting pressure on the defense. They're just not a very good defense. And offensively, they've got some weapons. I I think Muhammad Ibrahim might be the best running back in the league. He is a tough guy. Uh, their offensive line has been playing, uh, you know, better. Uh, Tanner Morgan has shown in the past that he can be a very accurate quarterback, not only on the short control passes, but the, you know, the deep one, they had a blow uh, because of Rashad Bateman, who's as good a wide receiver as are in the country. You know, he opted out and then he opted back in. Now he opted back out again. Uh, and Minnesota's had their, you know, their problems, uh, you know, in, in the kicking game. So, you know, when you start thinking about either a program getting better or it's getting worse, when you look at that, as far as an indicator, I don't think there's any doubt that you have to say that Nebraska is making more progress at this point than Minnesota is.
2: Coach, real quick, how would you handle uh, an opt-out or an opt-in situation? Would it drive you nuts?
3: <laughs> well, I-, I could tell you, you know, I've been asked over the years, this is the 14th year I've been out of coaching, and people say, do you miss coaching? And I used to very quickly say, yes. And now I start thinking about the social media and COVID and the testing and guys opting in, opting back out. And I think if they asked me now, I'd say, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think I miss it. Uh, And and I don't begrudge anybody from, you know, doing what they think is in their, in their best interest. But uh, man, there's just a lot of things you have to control right now. And, you know, I'm sure that the younger guys like Scott Frost and P.J. Fleck are handling it rather than a guy like me.
0: Glenn Mason with us here on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Glenn, about 30 seconds left, uh, but Huskers, the game on Saturday, they're a double-digit favorite still, uh, according to Vegas. Does that seem right to you? Who, who do you think gets the win on Saturday?
3: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a gambler, but I always look at those things and... Uh... You know, even when I was a coach, I'd look at those things, not to give an indication of what I thought my chances were. <laughs> but I used to like to look at the point spread. And, you know, when it first came out, uh, I, I think the Nebraska was a 9.5-point favorite, and then it dropped to a 9-point favorite, and then it jumped up to a 10.5 favorite. Mm-hmm. And those Vegas guys are awful smart. So there's something going on there. What it is, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I'd have to think... Based on what I I said before, but I think Nebraska is going in the right direction. Coupled with Minnesota playing very poor defense, I think the Vegas guys are spot
2: on. Coach, you take care. Thanks for making time today.
1: Anytime. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmidty on Tail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy.
2: Back with you, it's Hail Bar Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Doctor Doug Tavis, with us. Ho ho ho, Doctor Doug, how are you?
7: Well, Merry Christmas
2: to you too, Chris. No, I know. <laughs> Doing fine. <laughs> well, we are we are smiling about uh, the the non Arctic weather, right? And yeah, yeah. Fantastic been, week. It's been pretty good. Uh, we're just around the corner. We just finished the NBA, Doctor Doug, and it's going to crank back up. And pretty interesting uh, story out there about the. Unexpected benefits of the NBA bubble when it comes to injury analysis. Kind of give us a, a run through here on this. This uh, well, a the 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 NBA was really wise with their plan on the bubble. They got through a season and they took care of their their players and players' families. But you know what? The wear and tear wasn't as bad as as maybe some of the 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 non-bubble years, which is most of them
7: yeah so it it's kind of a uh unusual thought um, about okay if you put these guys you know into the bubble and uh granted a much much um, shortened uh time frame of, of games but um what the what the authors of this uh, study did is they they looked at the at the uh, set of games that were done as sort of the play-in games that were done in the bubble. And they compared those games then to the first set of games at the beginning of any other NBA season. Um, so uh, the, the fact that they had a four-month hiatus in the middle of this, you know, 2019-2020 season, um, they thought, okay, let's just compare the games Um and what it turned out is that um, the the players in the bubble uh, during those play-in games, uh, moving into the playoffs, had a significantly less number of injuries mm-hmm. than the um, uh, than the comparison years. They kind of went back to the last five years, and um, so that was one of the interesting findings. And then. They also looked at the playoffs themselves, and it turns out that the bubble playoffs have been the safest uh, in terms of injuries for the NBA for years. And so it was very uh, unexpected that that that, kind of came about as a result of being in the bubble. Uh, But it's pretty dramatic. I think the uh, playoff injuries were down like 31%
2: that's so key and i know the, the the break was necessary and you um didn't have the wear and tear but i thought guys looked pretty fresh i think the the difference was the atmosphere i mean it's it's just not the same Uh, In, in, you know, Disneyland (laughs) with no fans (laughs) compared to being, you know, at at the uh, Staples Center for a game seven or down in OKC with a raucous crowd. I mean, the the atmosphere was definitely way different and then that can can maybe take away from your game. But from an injury standpoint, you know, lessons learned from from bubble life. How do you see that moving forward here, Dr. Doug, with the NBA? Because COVID's still out there. I know there's vaccines on the horizon. But um, what do you kind of project or predict with the NBA here for this season that is really almost on top of us here? Not much downtime between uh, when when this ended and now cranking back up.
7: Yeah, I think those preseason games are supposed to start up here this next week and and uh this week and mm-hmm. and so you know it, it is it's right on top of us again but um you know they've got a lot of challenges going on here uh, with the covid side of things because oh you know for instance um, uh toronto um has had to relocate their team to florida because um you know the they, uh toronto uh is off limits to travel mm-hmm. um you know, because of the COVID thing. So that's, that's one example of it. Uh, We saw in baseball and we saw in football, um, you know, games having to be rescheduled, you know, Uh, there may be, there may be some teams that have to be completely, you know, uh, relocated, uh, which the NBA is familiar with, because, you know, some of the things that have happened in the past, you know, uh, natural disasters and stuff that have caused them to relocate. But it, 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 it could be a you know a situation where you know they revisit this idea of the bubble uh you know there was some talk among the players um especially in the playoffs that they felt more refreshed in the playoffs because of uh the fact that they had the you know that they had the bubble uh going and they didn't have to do all the traveling. Um, and so, as a result of that, may, there may be you know, you know a situation where they reconsider something like a, a bubble atmosphere for playoffs. Um, it's you know it's hard to argue if you can keep your you know your best stars healthy um, and, and not see as many of those uh, those injuries. That's that's pretty big economic you know. Uh, stuff
2: for the NBA. Well, the movement by the NBA and Commissioner Silver, I mean, they were able to to offset a big-time financial hit. They made their TV partners happy. And uh, I, I know the owners weren't thrilled with not having fans in stands or home games, right, 41 home games uh, ahead of playoffs. But yeah. the, the one thing that – as smart as the bubble has been, and, and other leagues would love to replicate it, you've had a lot of, is it fair to say, Dr. Doug, you've had a lot of blowback and, and dislike by the players, even though it's been safer and healthier for them. The The feedback from the players in the NBA, they hated being in the bubble. I mean, that's one thing. That, yeah. I mean, that's a hard hard sell for a second year, even though the data says – it was doable during a pandemic
7: yeah well it's you know it's it's a bit like going to practice every day you know <laughs> no kidding. You, you're not in front of the fans um yeah you're playing games you're scrimmaging you know it's 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 a little bit like that and um you know the, the some of this you know injury report may be what you alluded to earlier and that is you know they, maybe there wasn't quite the energy level you know um, when you're when you're playing in the bubble and maybe maybe the level of competition just didn't quite ramp up the way that it does when they're in front of their home crowds um I don't anticipate you know the the NBA to make any kind of wholesale changes based off of you know this kind of a report, mm-hmm. but uh, it is just one of those interesting things that you that you look at and you realize that there are some things that take you know that that are wear and tear on these guys. You know that all the travel, um, the you know the. Being on the on the planes and and being sleeping in hotel beds that aren't you know, aren't their aren't their home beds, you know, and and the fact that these guys can wake up every day and go into their normal routine when they were in the bubble and and you know uh, be be pretty much set for the day in a very normal way. Um, there is some there is some value to that, and then they could just highlight that.
2: Dr. Doug Tavis is with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking NBA as the season's about to, to ramp up here just around the corner. And uh, some bubble data when it comes to injury prevention and just uh, how things worked out. Less injuries, guys were a little bit fresher for the postseason. Dr. Doug, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for jumping on today.
1: You bet, Chris. Take care and Merry Christmas to you. Miss us.
4: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing.
1: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time it's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks to Glenn Mason. Tomorrow on the show, we will, no doubt, talk Nebraska-Georgia Tech basketball. But we'll try and coerce our friend the Pirate. If for some reason there's no bowl game for Nebraska and no bowl game for Mississippi State, let's do the first annual Pirate Bowl. Let's just get it scheduled somewhere in Mississippi or some neutral site. And let, let Moose broker the deal. Uh, the parking lot of ESPN Lincoln, I think, is free. Fine fun. with me, man. <laughs> All good. We'll take, uh, we'll take uh, the pirate over to, for, for some Lazaris. You know, I, I got the, what are, you, what are you grilling me tonight? I got that text mm-hmm. from the wife. Michael, like, oh, I don't know. I get out of here at 6. And if I stop by the store, you know, tip off at six fifty. Is it 6.15? Why don't you go to the store and I'll grill? Mm. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm c- calling Lazari's, <laughs> which I did. I'm getting a honeycut Hawaiian. It's fantastic. A little cream cheese, a little Canadian bacon, a little pineapple, a little jalapeno.
0: See, I was wondering the same thing because my roommates work in the meat counter right now, and uh, I, believe ah. he's, I believe he's scheduled till
2: 8. So uh-huh. My question is, do I go see if he'll, he'll get me a good well, the, deal? And I, I love this 615 tip-off, except I hate it tonight. You know what I mean? I mean, what's wrong with
0: the 7 o'clock tip? That seems to be like the common standard in sports. Well, the the 8 o'clock tip.
2: Well, Nebraska gets rolling early, early. Hoops Mm -hmm. does. So it's it's a long day for them. Tomorrow, Mike Leach. Tomorrow, Gary Barnett. Tomorrow, Danny Burke. Tomorrow, Brandon Vogel. We are loaded up Friday. Piedmontese, the Mercado, the amazing butcher shop there on North 84th. Myself, Jay Moore, and uh, plenty of Nebraska, Minnesota to talk about. A reminder. Uh, about uh, <laughs> uh, we have Vic from Denver chiming in about our our weather guy, right? It's not it's ah. not Mister G- it's not Mister Garrison.
0: Well, they had somebody different today.
2: I no, I know yeah. they've had two different weather dudes today. But I I miss Mister Garrison. Well, next time Mister Garrison's doing the weather for us, children. Um, we'll we'll do that Pepsi challenge. Whether it's Mister Garrison doing. The weather forecaster, it's it's not. Actually, are, are these the weather people? Are they like... I don't know, dude. I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Qu- and quite frankly, the fact that that bastard sponsored is quite awesome. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, it's a sports station. We talk ball and playoffs and, and, and drama. The, we got a weather sponsor. <laughs> Air high five. Right. Just, we're not gonna we're not gonna overthink it. It's fourth and one, under center, fall forward. All right. Just go with it. We gotta talk about buckling up though. All right. Oh, Speaking yeah. of sponsorship. Fifteen hundred crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Don't be an impaired driver, drunk driving, buzzed or high driving. It's never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working hard every day to stop you from driving. Many are killed or injured, so if you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. DUI costs more than you think. This message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, enjoy Nebraska basketball ESPN2 tomorrow. It's Pirate Thursday. Elijah herbal Schmidt. Talk to you tomorrow at four on Hale Varsity.